couple of Wednesday evenings ago, I was mingling with the children in our Crossroads after school program. And uh, sometimes I go around the tables and just tease them and chat with them. And this particular Wednesday night, I asked one of the children what her favorite nativity scene was because they had just toured the nativity scenes in the chapel. And she thought about this for maybe one second and responded, the real one. And, and then she dropped the mic and, <laughs> and walked away. Well, suppose we could gather the original characters of the Nativity in the Gospel of Matthew's version and take a picture for all time. Who would be in the picture? Well, at this point, it would only be Joseph and pregnant Mary. And you're not allowed to add the angel because that was in a dream, and dreams are not photogenic. So we just have the two. And so it can be somewhat misleading of a picture when you only have two because you get the sense that these are the leading characters. First, that Joseph, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, is the leading man. And we get interested in all of his idiosyncrasies and his characteristics, his very character. We learn a lot about him in this brief passage. First, he is engaged to a young woman, a girl, probably no older than 15. We know that he's a righteous man. He's a law-abiding man. He holds the Torah close to his heart. He memorizes passages from Vacation Bible school, they're still written on Joseph's heart. He's grown up in wisdom and in stature and become a kind of uh, epitome of what it means to be a good Jew. He's upright. He's law-abiding. He's a good, trustworthy, honest man. As well, he's also merciful. On top of all these good traits, he is full of mercy, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. As well, he's a descendant of David. Isn't he an interesting man? He couldn't be from a more prominent family in all the country than to be a descendant of David. So wouldn't you think after reading this passage that it's largely about Joseph and his character and how he responds to what Mary has or has not done, depending on your perspective, his response to the angel coming to him in a dream, his obedience to the angel. It's all about Joseph, what Joseph has done, how Joseph responds to these encounters in his life. We could switch over to Mary and be just as interested in her character in the gospel according to Luke. We see her eager faith, how thoughtful she is, how sweet when she responds to the angel's encounter in the Gospel of Luke, greetings, favored one, she says, Here I am, a servant of the Lord, a faithful. She has strong family ties. She goes and stays with Auntie Elizabeth and 
Uncle Zechariah for three months while they share the time of pregnancy overlapping, Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. We learn that she is eloquent, studious of the scriptures. She takes Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel and expounds upon it and creates the most beautiful song, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. We know that she is hardy and a real trooper because she travels to be registered in Bethlehem when she is full term. These are two very interesting people, Joseph and Mary. And it would seem that reading Matthew's account across the surface, reading Luke's account across the surface, that we should be most interested in these two. Because in Matthew's nativity scene, Joseph steps to the foreground and all the other characters are right behind him. And in Luke, Mary steps to the foreground of the nativity scene and all the other characters recede and stand behind her in supporting roles. We're drawn to these relatable characters and we compare our stories with theirs. And when I walk into my house, and I look to my left on the top of the sideboard, there's the most beautiful, elegant, enchanting nativity scene. And Mary is cradling the baby Jesus, and Joseph, tall, strong, looking down beside her in his supportive role, and they enchant me. These images, I'm interested in these characters. I want to see their faces. I, I wish I could see them gathered the real nativity scene gathered before me so that, so that everything that happened could be right in the foreground for me and I could be a supporting character. But there's another character. There is a character that remains unseen, only spoken of, one that we cannot capture, one to which we cannot hold, one whose movements we cannot predict, and one when this character shows up, we cannot quite explain what has happened. And that character is the Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit, as Matthew calls it, or to be more precise, this thing that has happened is of a spirit which is holy. So we focus on the human character sometimes and often overlook the most prominent character of all, that is the very Spirit of God. God who is with us. God who comes to save us. God who shows up in history in a surprising and bewildering way. And this story, when we look at it from that perspective, becomes Holy Spirit in the foreground and all the other characters playing supporting roles for God's saving mission. This is about God, who God is, what God is doing. God, the Holy Spirit. How do we capture the Holy Spirit? The Gospel of John says the Spirit 
blows where it wills. I love that translation. The Spirit blows where it wills. We don't know where it comes from, where it's going. The Spirit does its own thing, shows up if it wants to, or maybe it doesn't. Whenever it does, it shows up and encounters us like a whirlwind. We are turned upside down. We're disoriented. We're bewildered. We're astonished. We're amazed. We're frightened, terrorized. Our lives turned and reoriented in ways and directions we never imagined before. The wind indeed blows where it wills. And we don't know where it comes from or where it goes. We're prone to make Christmas so seasonal, so domestic, so cozy and tender and mild. And it can be all of those things. But first, we cannot skip over Advent and the weeks-long announcement that God comes like a thunderclap. It is the difference between eruption and eruption. Two different spellings. Sometimes God erupts like a volcano. That is the spelling E-R-U-P-T. Other times in Matthew's Christmas account, that is, God erupts. I-R-R-U-P-T. We're all in class now. (laughs) To erupt, I-R-R-U-P-T, is to enter suddenly unexpectedly almost as if out of from out of nowhere that is the character of God's Holy Spirit shows up erupts we have no idea it was coming and when it encounters us we are turned right side up or upside down we're reversed we're reoriented we're tackled we're flummoxed we're tripped Think about how different Mary's experience is with the Holy Spirit, even from those women in the Old Testament and even from her Aunt Elizabeth. If you go back across the Old Testament, the women who longed for children, prayed for them, wept, grieved. Their their lives were diminished without the child. They longed for a child to be born. Mary's not expecting We don't know that she's hoping. We don't hear any song before she's pregnant. There is hardly any comparing Mary to some of these other women because her experience is so entirely unique. There was no partnering. There was no coupling. She did not live with a man. This is a virgin birth. A virgin birth. Yes, I believe in virgin birth. Please don't throw anything No tomatoes, please. I do believe in the virgin birth because I believe that God commences salvation as total gift, complete grace. There is nothing human beings did to create this or earn this. We are only recipients. And Mary stands as the primordial sign of a reception of God's total, comprehensive grace. Go back across history and you see, you read mythologies of male deities coupling with women, human beings, mortals, and then some kind of semi-divine creature coming out of that, or a sort of superman. 
That's not what's happening here. This is total grace. This is a woman, her body, receptive to God's grace, carries God's grace within her and bears it on our behalf. Humanity, we learn from Matthew, is always in the mode of receptivity when it comes to God's grace. Joseph, his heart breaks. There can only be one explanation for her pregnancy. And because he is righteous and because he is merciful, he does not want to make a spectacle out of her. But isn't his mercy even ironic? Even his righteousness is ironic. How is, it, how is he merciful to the God-bearer for her bearing God? Think of it this way. When Joseph is merciful to Mary, it's almost like saying, I forgive you for carrying the Savior of the world. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, even our virtues begin to burn off and make no sense. That's how disorienting Advent can be. Even our virtues, our good intentions, fall apart, become dismantled by a God who is intent on reaching us by means that we did not expect. Both Mary and Joseph's experiences with the Holy Spirit teach us that God does such fantastic and wonderful things that angels have to come to us in our sleep to confront us and persuade us that it's true. The Holy Spirit initiates the work of salvation. And it takes this divine eruption for us to wrap our minds around God's love. Advent puts us on notice that the rest of our lives will have plot points that make no sense unless God is working in history to save us. Think about your own life. Think about the ways that you have been surprised. The ways that your own plans have been disrupted by divine eruption. Perhaps for some of you, it might have even come in the form of an unplanned pregnancy. Think of your own characteristics. Think of perhaps one virtue that you admire about yourself. Think of many of the good things that you have done in your own life. Let your life flash before your eyes and think about the ways that even you have responded to your own way of thinking faithfully to a call from God. All of these things. Our histories, our unique stories, our characteristics, our virtues, all of these things are put into proper perspective in the light of what the Holy Spirit does with Joseph and Mary. Everything is put in question. Everything is turned upside down for them. Their whole lives are reoriented by something God is doing just so that God can show the entire world just how much God loves us. 
This is how salvation comes to us. By surprise. Unexpectedly. Sometimes it can be wonderful. Sometimes it can be terrifying. I suppose I agree with the child that I spoke with the other evening. My favorite nativity scene? The real one. I think. I'm not sure about that. Because the Spirit blows where it wills. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where it's going to take me. I beckon you to come along with me as we approach the real nativity scene. And I don't know what else to say other than hold on tight.